1: it's the autosport podcast daniel ricardo blows the f1 driver market wide open we explain his shock move to renault Daniel Ricciardo put a runo-shaped cat among the driver market pigeons, with the announcement on Friday morning that he was leaving Red Bull Racing to go to Enstone. In one fell swoop, that dramatically changed the playing field we discussed in our last podcast. And as well as being a big deal for Ricciardo's career, it also has some dramatic knock-on effects. I'm your host, Ed Stewart, and joining me to discuss Ricciardo's shock move first is Scott Mitchell. Now, you're on the front line of... Auto Sport news desk duty, Scott. So this has been a a busy day for you with uh, with this unexpected news, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, I'm, I've been uh, I've been charged with uh, with talking way too much today. There's there's going to be far too many examples of of my voice and also my face being broadcast on this topic and other topics as well. One thing I would like to pull you up on very quickly based on that intro: um, a Renault-sized cat amongst the pigeons is that a cat that is the size of a Renault Formula 1 car is it shaped like a Renault Formula 1 car was it formula Renault sized or Renault shaped, shaped. i think correct. i said Renault right? shaped yeah. so so it's so, a yellow pigeon so but but it's um it's to scale so cat sized and shaped bizarrely like a formula 1 car
1: well a formula 1 team is a lot bigger than a driver
3: so oh you so mean so Renault team we were imagining a Renault
2: car shape ah okay cat. well I, ah, yeah, okay. I'd, 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 okay. yeah i'd
1: consider the, i'd consider that i consider the the cat represents the whole team and the pigeons represent the drivers.
2: Right, okay. I'm, I'm, you've kind of lost me, but in my head, I'm imagining a Renault Formula One car shaped cat. So, with that, I think you should throw it to your second guest.
1: Well, my second guest, uh, Kevin Turner, has also been dealing with some unexpected cats because obviously this news means you're having to tear up the the latest issue of Autosport, which will be out next Thursday, to reshape it around this big driver market news, aren't you?
3: Yeah, it's quite exciting. It doesn't happen very often with the magazine. Um, obviously, you've got either the Grand Prix's that we focus on or uh, quite big articles and features that uh, well, people like you and, and Scott Wright, of course, cool, um, you know, with long lead time. But every now and again, you get and, and, and you know. Uh, hopefully a nice exciting story like this that uh, means you you know you can't ignore it we've uh we've got to delve
2: into it kev do you ever have any of those moments on a monday where you're fearing something breaking and you have to go what's the what's like a really old school mag expression now we've got to pulp the cover we've got to pulp the cover is that something you've ever thought about saying has anyone indeed ever said pulp the cover at autosport
3: uh, not in my experience. I think the thing that we're most fearful of when you, especially when everything's going well, is you know a sort of a key motorsport figure dying on a Monday or a Tuesday because that obviously is quite a quite a big quite a big deal. And obviously this is a much more positive news story than any of that. So, yeah. Um, I'm happy to rip up the plan for for something like this.
1: There has been some pulping of pages in the past for various reasons, not in the recent past, but uh, these things do happen. But yeah, you know, Kev was standing up shouting, "Stop the presses!" Even though the presses don't go for a, for a good few days. You know, Scott, you ran into the room. You were wearing a little press cap with a card that said "Press," running into the room to get to the payphone to 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 call in your it's story. Like carry on, motorsport journalism. Well, it's like that every week.
2: <laughs> I like the idea that I was in the office but still ran to a payphone to phone in the story.
1: <laughs> well, your phone bill has been a little bit high at recent races, so uh, so we have had to make you pay as you go, as it were. But the, the thing for me is this: this is unexpected. Like I said, we discussed this a, a, a lot as Tuesday. We recorded our our last podcast about the driver market, and then everything's changed. And that, that's that's what's brilliant about the driver market. It's so volatile, and there's all the, there's this sort of house of cards built around what's going to happen. And then one person does something a bit unexpected, and it can change everything. It's uh, it's brilliant. That's why we love uh, love the driver market. Well, let's let's get on with it. Scott, we didn't expect Ricardo to go to Renault, we knew there were discussions, we expected him to re-sign with Red Bull, and I think Red Bull expected it too So what's happened?
2: Well, the best that we can work out at the moment, with the limited information that's been made public, is that something quite dramatic has changed in the last few days, because I I stayed out in Hungary after the the Grand Prix for the test Ricardo drove on on the Tuesday at the end of the day, did his little two or three minute media scrum, he was desperate to leave Uh, and I just said okay you wanted to go into the summer with a contract in your pocket that was your plan it hasn't happened what's happened it was it looked so it looked so simple and he joked oh did it look simple i was just saying that to put you guys off the scent and stop asking me questions but he intimated that it was just about fine details and and that it would be done soon and, and maybe communicated at, at spa and then we're, as we understand it yesterday uh, yesterday being thursday Ricardo communicated to Red Bull that he would be leaving the team and uh, and joining Renault. So, whether anything's happened between Tuesday night, whether something happened during the day on Wednesday or Thursday, whether it was earlier this week, but what I can say categorically is that myself, you Ed, Adam Cooper, one of our colleagues, other people in the paddock, there wasn't a whiff of this in the Hungarian Grand Prix paddock last weekend, to the point where we didn't even think Ricardo was still in the frame at Renault because we were expecting Esteban Ocon to to, to be announced at, at Renault on a loan deal from Mercedes. That's how that's how far away and off the radar this story was a week ago. Well,
1: it just goes to show when things are almost done, I think we said last time, the Ocon deal is very, very, very close, but it's amazing how these things can happen. Time and again, we see these unexpected moves.
3: Well, it's almost like Bernie Eccleston is still around in the background, sort of pulling, pulling the strings to make the drive market interesting. We talked before about his uh, his willingness to do that if he thought it was getting a bit stale and it, it was looking like it might be a bit stale obviously Mercedes, Lewis has signed for Mercedes so that's all sorted Ferrari obviously have to keep Kimi Raikkonen for a million years uh, so, and Red Bull looked looked stable, so it looked like it was going to be more of the same. But this is this is quite quite an exciting move, isn't it? Um, and I think Daniel Ricciardo's obviously sort of looked at, you know, this is going to be more and more Max Verstappen's team. I can't get on terms in, you know, financially and behind the scenes. I don't mean on the racetrack. So I might as well get out and try and build
1: something somewhere else. Well, it's interesting because Ricardo was desperate to get himself into a championship-contending car. Obviously, the Renault next year isn't going to be barring a miracle step which isn't completely out of the question but pretty unlikely ricardo was asked a few races ago about this he said is this the hardest decision you've ever made and and he sort of thought about it and he thought well it's probably the second hardest and he, he cited leaving australia to pursue his racing career was that was the hardest decision but he's been putting a lot of thought into this he won't have done it on a whim they'll have this whole dimension of the red bull honda deal how convinced is he with honda he'll have had ongoing discussions with 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 Renault you know there, there was always a door still open there if you wanted to go through it but it didn't seem that he he wanted to before so what do you think scott is this ricardo thinking i might as well take a risk here and try this because if any team's going to join the big 3 it's going to be Renault
2: well i wonder if in in the last few weeks behind the scenes he's just not had that response that he wanted from from red bull i mean we know that verstappen signed this lucrative new deal at the end of last year and at the very least ricardo wanted his own terms improved this year especially because ricardo went until especially for the first i think 5 or 6 races ricardo was the better performer this year verstappen sort of been able to build some momentum in the last few races, but but Ricardo is is clearly not a number two driver, and I guess he felt that the sort of balance of power within the team was shifting towards that. So he wanted something different. Maybe he didn't get those assurances. And one of the other theories is that there was obviously the latest salvo in this fight between Renault and Red Bull and this public war of words, where where Christian Horner hit out at, at Renault uh, very very strongly during the race when Max Verstappen retired with an MGUK problem. And just wonder whether or not Renault basically said, okay, you've, this has been going on in the background with Ricardo. Here's, here's everything you need. Just do whatever it takes. Sign him, give him whatever he offers. And if Ricardo's gone through him and said, I want X amount, they've actually finally said yes. It's It's difficult to see how anything competitively has changed his mind because as. Um as we're all aware, in Hungary last weekend, Honda, the, the engine supplier with which Rebel will, will be partners with next year, enjoyed one of its best races of the season, Pierre Gasly finishing comfortably in the points. So it's not like they had a shocker and had loads of unreliability, it's something else off track, un, like not related to competitiveness, Is is what I think has been the trigger. Yeah,
3: it's difficult to see it being a lack of confidence in Honda, because obviously... Uh, Red Bull have got enough confidence to sign the deal, and things are looking quite good as you say. And it won't be a lack of confidence in the car because I think we pretty much feel that the Red Bull is probably the best chassis this year. So it's yeah, it's got to be that that play within the team. We know how important that is within a team. If even if you've got in theory equal number one status, it quite often you know if if, if one driver has you know, the favour of the team manager or something like that. It, it, you know, it puts you on the back foot and he maybe he's decided, as you say, he hasn't got those assurances and it's better to start somewhere else.
2: All I would say is that if you feel like you are outperforming someone who's being paid considerably more than you, that can be very demotivating within a company. So I would imagine that Ricardo's is probably feeling like that.
1: I think also Ricardo. He's tried to force Red Bull to kind of recognise his status, and Red Bull doesn't like paying top dollar for its drivers. It normally does have very heavily incentivised contracts, whereby you get your you get a very healthy base. Certainly, it won't be uh, it won't be tuppence you are be getting paid offered for the base, but then it's it's results on top of it that that give you the really big money. You know, Vettel used to be on deals like that with with Red Bull that proved to be very lucrative, and that's why he's very good at winning race after race after race when he when he had to. But I think. I think you're right, Scott, in that there may be a bit of a feeling of, well, hang on a minute. I've been here longer. I've done this, that, and the other, and I don't feel like this is this is the team that that wants to be to be built around me. I think the the really interesting thing is he has been negative about the Renault engine at times, but I think there is a difference between being in a Renault powered Red Bull and a Renault powered Renault because we have seen Renault pouring tremendous resources into building up Enstone, its own works team that came back onto the grid as, as the Renault works team in 2016. And the focus is more and more and more there. So maybe if he's not in conv- he's not convinced with the, the Renault customer engine deal, he might be a little bit more positive about, about the works deal. And that might also tell us something about the Honda engine. So I know you said, Kev, that it wouldn't have been that he's massively unimpressed with the Honda engine. But if he's... If he's not seen enough from it, from what he's been told, and when they first signed the deal, he said, I'll have to understand from the team where it's at, that will have, have played its part. Certainly, if he thought Red Bull Honda was going to be winning races next year, I'm sure he'd have stayed, even if the terms weren't quite what he wanted, because what he wants more than anything is to have a championship contending car.
2: But but as you said a, a bit earlier, Ed, Barring a miraculous step, he's not gonna have that next year. And according to Renault's own time frame, he's not gonna have that the year after as well. So the two year deal that he struck with Renault isn't about fighting for the title in the next two years, is it? So Well it's about it's
1: he's thinking down the line at that point, he's thinking, well Red Bull's not the place that'll offer me that long term. So if I can't get into a championship-contending car now, I'm going to go to the place that I think's best for me, even if it's five years down the line. He's, you know, he's he's in his sort of middle ages as a Grand Prix driver. So he's still got a few years in him. So I think that's he's made, he he probably feels he's making the best of a bad job.
3: Is he also thinking? Because I think previously he said that my next move will be my probably my last one. But a two-year deal is he giving himself the option in 2020? to see how Renault's going. Are they looking like they're going to be doing what they were doing in the mid-2000s with Alonso and fight for a championship? Or has Lewis Hamilton just announced his retirement and Mercedes got a free drive going, a what? free seat going, and I could maybe jump into that? But that, of course, is relying on the fact that he would be head of the queue for
1: that, which is a very debatable point. Well, amusingly, he's aligned himself in this big driver market shakeup that's being kind of worked towards for, for 2021, because loads of people are out of contract in 2020 of the big guns.
2: Well, what, what I don't understand is is if it, it strikes me as a is a big gamble to do that outside of Red Bull because he could, and unless he feels that the only option to with, with Renault, if if say from twenty twenty one onwards, Renault is going to be big dogs again, fighting properly for world titles, he feels like he needs to have already been uh, involved in the team and have it built around him by the time that happens, is it? Ie he can't stay at Red Bull for the next two years, monitor Renault from afar, and then go. Oh, that looks really good. I'm going to go for them for 2021. He needs to be there before, be able to team up around him, get to know how it works, get people pulling in his direction, and then, and then obviously that then manifest itself in the championship challenge in in 2021. If he's doing it so that he covers both bases, whereby he puts himself in a really good position to be able to maximise Renault's potential in 2021, while giving himself what Kev describes as effectively a get out of jail free card for for the regulation change, if that if such a situation arises, is uh, he is basically putting himself in a position where his stock could be devalued against someone as good as Nico Hulkenberg, because I feel feel like Hulkenberg constantly gets massively underrated, and. While Ricardo could well be beaten by by Verstappen over the next couple of years, at least he'll be being beaten by someone in a position where he can still win races and prove himself to potential suitors. I don't really see what he gains in terms of trying to keep himself at the top of that pecking order Kev referenced if he's in a team that can't fight for podiums, let alone wins, and has a teammate that other people don't necessarily rate but could well beat him.
3: Which, again, presumably means that there's something behind the scenes at Red Bull that he's really unhappy about.
1: Well, I think he taken that punt. I think also he will be backing himself. I don't think they'll necessarily underestimate Nico Hulkenberg, but he will be thinking, I can go in there and and assert myself. There comes a point where you have to kind of back yourself to to do that. It's a bit like the reverse of the situation you get with footballers. Like, you get a footballer excelling with a, a middling team and they go to a big team and you say, well, there's lots of competitors, rival players there who are very good, and you have to back yourself to to make that step. So I imagine he's probably thinking, Yeah, I I can I can do this here. And clearly he wants to be the main man. I think we can be sure of that. That's what he feels like. And yeah, Hulkenberg will be uh will be a challenge. But I suspect that's that's the mindset Ricardo's got. He's just thinking, actually, do you know what happened do you know what? If I stay at Red Bull, Verstappen's always going to be the main focus. He may not think the Red Bull Honda is the right way to go. So he perhaps thinks, do you know what? In a couple of years at Renault, I can probably enhance my reputation or at least see what this team's all about. And then if push comes to shove, he gets to doing deals for 2021 and he's in the same position. He'll be trying to get into Ferrari or Mercedes or whatever. So maybe he thinks there's not a downside. Although personally, I do agree it's a big risk to put yourself into a less competitive team. And it is a big risk to make a move at the wrong time, as we've seen from a certain Fernando Alonso. I think
3: you're right about him backing himself. I mean, I think, you know, any top driver would. I think for us, it's going to be fascinating because I, I think if I was to pick, the, you know, the drivers on, in the F1 grid at the moment who've got the, a record that doesn't match with how good they actually are, though those are two of them because Ricardo should have been fighting for a World Championship by now. He's topped our top 50 drivers twice, hasn't he, in recent years, it's, being F1's top performer, but the car hasn't been there. And Holkenberg, how's he not got a podium? It's absolutely ridiculous. He should be a should be a race winner. So I think the two of them match together will be will, will immediately become one of the most interesting, you know, uh, team battles that we'll see
1: next season. And it's a great step for Renault as well, because they've got a seven-time Grand Prix winner in the car. They've got someone who knows the Red Bull Renault package, who will be able to bring a great deal of knowledge. And he'll also be a good benchmark for uh, for them to assess Nico Hülkenberg again as well, because obviously there's been talk about might they want to get an Alonso in, for example, for when they're going to be fighting for championships. I think that maybe brings us back to one of the earlier points that Ricardo perhaps thought, well, actually, on the one hand, <clears throat> well, actually, on the one hand, He might be going to Renault a little bit early, but you never know what doors are open a couple of years down the line. He could stay at Red Bull for a couple of more years, then Renault could be on the up, by which time an Alonso or whoever has got their way in there. But I I do have that feeling that Ricardo, it's like he's got his list of things he'd most like to do, which was going to Ferrari and going to Mercedes, basically. And then I guess Red Bull, showing that they could emerge as a championship contending force next year would be next on his list, and none of those things have happened. So it's like you, you start to get down to fourth and fifth choice scenarios that he's, he's choosing between. So maybe he just thought, do you know what, I'm gambling winning maybe a couple of races again next year with a team that I'm not going to go on to win the championship within the future against being part of something that could build up to the front. It's a roll of the dice, a big roll of the dice.
2: One one thing I would say is um, if you if you don't change the input then the output doesn't change, and Ricardo has been with Red Bull for a long time. He does owe them a debt of loyalty to a point, but ultimately, if they're not making the decisions that he 100% agrees are best for him, then that loyalty runs out. He doesn't have to. He's not obligated to stay there indefinitely until they sort until they get their housing or house in order. So. Let's see, what, let's see what happens. It's, it's a bit boring to say that. It'll be fascinating to see. But I am genuinely interested to, to see how this plays out because Ricardo is one of those guys that I just want to do well. I'm not biased. It's just he's a good guy. He's a great driver. He's a brilliant racer. And it would it would just be really, really lovely to see him in a position where he can realise the talent that Kev talked about earlier. And if he's able to be part of that story, part of the journey drivers really like to talk about and teams really like to talk about with Renault as they rebuild and rebuild to try and get to that status of title-winning team again, that would be a really cool combination. So I do hope it works out, but there are quite a few pitfalls along the way. No, I agree completely. The only thing I would say is it might be a great opportunity for Hülkenberg as well, because if he can
3: match or better Ricardo... Because he's been one of those people that looks like he's missed out on an absolute top drive, and he's been one of the top midfield drivers for forever and a day. It feels like if he's able to beat an established or at least match an established front runner that everyone rates, then maybe he puts himself into that position either at Renault or maybe a door opens for him in twenty twenty one.
2: I'm fascinated to see how Ricardo reacts to going to a worse car because in in theory, I mean, you, Ed, you, you're really you'll be really good on this because you understand the basically the gains that a car and a team make year on year. The 2019 Renault, would that be better than a 2018 Red Bull or still not quite as good?
1: There's a caveat I have to add to this, that you don't quite know where the Honda is. But I would be astonished if Enstone is ready to produce a better chassis than than Red Bull at this stage. I think they've got to make more arrow steps. They're still employing more people. They're still beefing up the facility. I think there's every chance Enstone will get there. But, but for me, 2019 is going to be about consolidating their place at the front of the midfield, maybe they'll be able to haul themselves into a bit of a no-man's land I don't think they're going to latch onto the back of the you, top three, whatever happens. You
3: mean a straight comparison from the 2019 Renault to the 2018 Red yeah, Bull? So, yeah. Like so, in terms of you, actual ability of that car. So,
2: if you look at what Ricardo is going to be driving towards the end of this year and what he's going to step into next year, yeah. is he going to be stepping into a car that is like not considerably worse, obviously, but it's bad enough for him to need to try and get his head around and maybe even have to adjust his driving style to get the most out of? Because it's not going to be, it's not going to. You say it's not going to be as good as the 2019 car. I'm not convinced it'll be as nice to drive as this year. Is Red Bull. So well, the, the, I'm the, really the, interested to see how he adjusts to that challenge. The
1: waters are muddied a little bit by the aero changes to the front wing, Very true. Which will cut on downforce anyway, so that might help him to get into the right mindset to adapt. But you're right, you know, he'll he has always driven when he's driven for proper F1 teams, he's driven for Red Bull run teams hrt was a was a struggling
2: that's team. Like a vicious attack on hrt yeah, there HR, from Ed hrt
1: was a struggling
3: team when he went there ricardo is young enough and still hungry enough banging the table um that that he'll get over that it, it, the people that struggle when they step down in cars are the people that are kind of getting towards the end of their career they're trying to string out a bit longer they drop down a peg or two and then they go oh i can't really be bothered they sort of tug around and Maybe score a few that, points. That's, that's very true. He's not
1: going to be like that. He's massively motivated. I remember him after Monaco uh, last year, where he was robbed of victory, and he said, you "No, know, the time's not on his side. He needs to get into a championship." When he car, so he's been feeling that drive to get himself into a, into a good position. So I think, yeah, he still does want to want to make a success of so it. I think he's intelligent enough to have gone into it with his eyes open at Renault, but inevitably there's only, you, you only know what you know and it's going to be a new a new challenge for him. I do think the interesting thing is what it says about Honda because I think it suggests... He, he's never said anything overwhelmingly positive about Honda. He's had ample opportunity since that, that deal was finalised and since it was announced that Redwood would have Honda engines to be very effusive about it, he's always been a bit equivocal. So I wonder whether in his mind he's going... I don't like the look of this. I I don't think this is going to do it. Because remember, Red Bull for that two-year period, they have got a window of opportunity. They can have the Honda engine for a couple of years. They can still work in the background on what they want to do for 2021. There's still hope that if a new manufacturer comes in, they'll be the ones who will benefit from it, say a Porsche or someone like that. So I think Red Bull and Ricardo are in slightly different positions
2: what I would say about that is that there's no reason for Ricardo to have been particularly positive about Honda, for two reasons. First of all, um, it obviously helps him from a negotiating point of view if he isn't overwhelmingly positive in public, which suggests an element of doubt. So it's obviously Red Bull, come on, give me a bit more to convince me to stay. And the other thing is that that for, by contrast, Verstappen was being positive, but Verstappen's not got a choice. He's married to the project, so he he kind of he can't criticize it. I just feel like Ricardo had no reason to, and actually was probably to his benefit to not talk it up at the time. Yeah, but, yeah. You're but, right but, but you're right that
1: the fact that he's done that combined with turning his back on it. No, absolutely. That, that suggests. Yeah, to me, yeah hmm.
2: no, but I just think at, at the time, in the context of when he was not making those comments, I didn't. I I considered that at the time what you're saying now, but I, I kind of dismissed it. I think you're right that there are question marks over Honda. Honda knows that it's under pressure next year because it's going to have absolutely nowhere to hide. It thought it had nowhere to hide with. Uh, with McLaren, but even less so with with, with Red Bull. So, need to um, need to see what they actually come up with. Maybe maybe Red, maybe Red Bull have sort of embellished a little bit on on their positivity over Honda and Ricardo's seen through it. It's difficult to say, but he he's obviously at some point that package, that offer, that option for next year and everything that comes with it. He lost faith, didn't he? So some, something has something has triggered it.
1: It's great that he's doing it because it's a really. Brilliant talking point going into next season. It's going to be a great storyline next season. It's really good to shake up the driver lineup at the front because he didn't know that was going to happen. So that's, that's really positive from that perspective. So well done, Dan Ricciardo. I suspect you will have done it for career reasons rather than for keep us. us all entertained. But uh, you never know, he's a bit of a showman. It's not just about Daniel Ricciardo, though. So the knock-on effects are this. One, there's a vacancy at Red Bull Racing. 2 We presume Esteban Ocon, who was very, very close to a deal to go to Renault, that was almost done, isn't going to go to Renault because Hulkenberg's locked in. And then there's all sorts of other interconnected drivers. Carlos Sainz contracted to Red Bull, contender for for the Red Bull racing seat. What's going to happen to him? How does that change the thing? We know he's out of Renault now. But what about McLaren versus a Red Bull option versus a Toro Rosso possibility as the last resort? There's all sorts happening.
2: I like this because what you've you basically want us to discuss the uh, the knock on for Ocon, don't you?
1: Yeah, I can see you very much excite, uh, right, excited. Right, you need to be silent line. for
2: the next ten minutes. Sit in the corner, Scott, Ed and I will continue until you've realised what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the the, the 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 chief thing is who replaces him, isn't it? And it, if I can put you two on the spot, I'm going to move from guest to anchor in, at this point. Uh, Kev uh, Ed, who would you pick to replace Ricardo or Ribble?
1: Go on, Kev. Don't even think. Don't even think. Just well, say
2: it. my, I'll, I'll be honest
3: with my initial, my initial. Don't thought was, say Sterling Moss <laughs> or Nick Tandy. Well, now that's a different podcast. We'll do a spin-off. Um, uh, my initial thought was it would obviously be science. Obviously, we've, you know, that hey, he's not the only option. He might not even be the prime option, but he's the one that sort of done and. And enough, I think, to earn a chance to to, to give it a, sh- a shot. Obviously, the problem there is will he work with Verstappen, history, blah, blah, blah. But he, he, in terms of what he's done on track, he would be probably the first one that comes to mind.
2: Ed Straw?
1: Yes, Science is a very obvious plug-in and play option. He's got a lot of experience. He knows what he's doing. He's known to Red Bull. However, Pierre Gasly at Toro Rosso has been doing a good job. His high points have been very good this season. I'd like to be certain he's able to deliver the consistency but he has a big advantage in that he's got a year of day-to-day experience with the honda power unit package that's quite a big deal because although red bull and Rosso will have communicated extensively there'll be enormous exchange of information red bull have been watching very closely Gasly has all that that knowledge of living it breathing it every every corner every problem every every little patch in the engine power curve that's not quite there he will know it he will understand it and that's not essential for red bull to have but i suspect when they look at the fact they've got a driver admittedly only with one season and five races under his belt he'll have at the
2: end of the year so about as many as verstappen had when he stepped up to red bull exactly
1: exactly almost uh, maybe maybe uh, be one more wouldn't it because he had uh, a season of four races i can't remember what, what the total is for the uh, relative seasons but they'll think well actually we can plug that driver in we know he's a good fit he's similar to ricardo in that he's quite enough of a sort of enthusiastic likable character so I think he'll fit in well in that regard Verstappen and Science had their problems pretty serious problems when they were together at, at Toro Rosso and I remember that plus as uh, they've had there's an excellent piece by uh, Ben Anderson on autosport.com in the plus subscriber area explaining how Science has put himself in a very difficult position by forcing his way out of Red Bull on loan into Renault and that that's left a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth and It's unfortunate for Sainz when you think about it, really, because had he stayed at Toro Rosso, you'd be saying, yeah, he's the logical choice, he's got the experience, he's got a year with the engine, in you go. But by taking this understandable punt on Renault, he's actually shot himself down, potentially, in terms of the perception for for Red Bull. I mean, we understand that Red Bull are leaning towards Gasly, but it's very, very easy for them to feel, to lean towards doing that in that situation. Then when they're confronted with it, they might think, oh, actually, is Sainz the one with the experience to... To slot and do actually know how good science is, but I personally, I probably would go for Gasly. I think the Honda experience is important, and I, I just always like promoting the, uh, promoting the the impressive rookies. If I had to say who I thought they would go for, I, then
3: I would agree with you. Would, I'd go for Gasly. My my only can if it's a concern, perhaps not the right word, but is I feel like Gasly's just doing what we've seen Science do a year or two ago at Toro Rosso. So peaks really good, but what's his overall level on the days that the Toro Rosso isn't that great what, yeah, how much is he getting out of it I'm not saying he's not doing a great job but we're not really sure as we know science can be a really consistent performer and has probably earned the right of a top drive first but obviously that's not really how it works and I think probably for all the reasons you've just said probably the primary one being the Honda Link then Gasly was, is, is
1: probably number one choice Any wild cards you care to throw in Scott?
2: Well, I've made the case, as you mentioned, the Autosport Plus area on autosport.com. Um, I've made the case for Fernando Alonso. I don't necessarily think he oh, will be awesome because, um, well, two main reasons. One, he's an incredibly political performer, isn't he? And he's just divisive as hell. So why would Red Bull want to go there when they've got Verstappen in the team? Because that would just be fireworks. And the other is obviously Honda. Because Alonso and Honda didn't have a great relationship, Alonso, Alonso took shots at Honda every which way possible when they were together. Um, but two things for me, one is you talk about plug-in and play options Ed, there is no better plug-in and play option in the paddock than Fernando Alonso. Uh, absolute top class performer, two time world champion and as we've seen this year, still capable of doing the job, not losing any motivation. And the other thing is he's available. He he's on the market for next year. He hasn't made a decision about whether he wants to continue. If he doesn't want to continue because of the situation with McLaren, the situation with Red Bull might well change his mind if he feels he's got one last shot in a top car in a top team. It's just whether or not he would have faith with Honda, whether Honda would work with him again. So I, I don't necessarily think it's likely, but I just think like you would be crazy not to consider it, even if only briefly.
3: Well, I'd love, to, I'd love to see it, but knowing Fernando's luck, if he went there, then the Honda would continue to be terrible and all would happen is Verstappen and Alonso are both back end of the top 10. Um, but yeah, that'd be brilliant. I'll tell you what, though, if if he went there, then in two, three, four years' time, Verstappen would be an unbelievable racing driver because Alonso would teach him some things. He's probably one of the few people on the grid that still
1: could. And if he was to then take it on board, it would be be scary. It's a great fun idea, but it's never going to happen in a million years. They wouldn't put him with Verstappen. They've had opportunities to pursue Alonso in the past and they've stayed well clear of him because of the political concerns and what he brings off track. So it would be an a, a astonishing vault fast from, from Red Bull to uh, to do something like that. Well, they well, don't need to either, do they? No, really? exactly they don't need to. But it, it's just, a, again, a shame for Fernando Alonso that there's a top seat available and there's, a, there's no chance of him getting into it. It's a, one of those things. I guess we should mention Esteban Ocon as well, who... Looks to be going to run so wh- wh- where's he going to end up now does he stay at Force India are there other options
2: well it's impossible to answer because we don't know what's going to happen with Force India because that team's in administration they're waiting to find out who or if there will be a, new, a, a buyer and one of the suggestions is that there could be a scenario where by Lawrence Stroll becomes an investor in the team in, in some way taking his uh, millions and his son Lance from from Williams millions from Williams to Force India that's and enough rhyming for this podcast. If, if that happens, then the uh, knock-on for Ocon is that uh, he's not going to—he's probably not going to have a seat at Force India anymore because he's too good to be there alongside Lance. Uh, the, if the Strolls are putting money in that team, they're not going to want him alongside a teammate that's probably going to have him over. Um, which then means, okay, well, do you? Does Mercedes try and strengthen tyres at Williams? Um, that's possible they're, expen- they're extending their technical partnership probably extending it I should say from just uh, engine supply to gearbox as well next year if that could come with some favourable commercial terms to put Ocon in the car maybe alongside Sergei Sirotkin then that would be good but then that has another knock on effect because Williams is looking like an option for George Russell ...when it looked like Ocon was going to Renault... ...because for the same reasons... ...you try and find a Merck customer team... ...to put your junior driver... ...but now Merck's got to try and find somewhere... ...to put Ocon still and Russell... ...I don't think it can find a home for two of them... ...the only thing I was thinking... ...when we were talking about options is... ...is that Ocon... ...Mercedes were willing to loan Ocon out... ...Red Bull needs a driver was there any way of doing a deal there? But there's two things that put that off for me. One is that Mercedes and Red Bull don't exactly have the most favourable off-track political relationship and two, Red Bull only wants to take a driver from another team, a la Lando Norris, when it approached McLaren for him earlier this year, if it can do so on a long-term basis. And neither Mercedes or indeed McLaren earlier this year were willing to relinquish their talent for more than one year only. So I, I don't see it happening. So I, I feel like Mercedes had this plan to have both of its star drivers in F1 next year, Ocon somewhere better, Russell somewhere to make his debut. And now it's going to struggle. or It needs to wait, at the very least, it needs to wait and see where it can put one of them let alone both.
1: I think the positive thing for Ocon is Mercedes are pretty committed to him, so I'm sure he'll he'll wash up somewhere. He's a, he's a very uh, very accomplished driver, so he should stay on the grid. But it's uh, it's interesting. There'll be all sorts of drivers who are kind of six steps away from this who, who are having and it, who, who are being impacted by this because you always wait with the driver market for this trickle down effect. shall we say that the top teams sort themselves out, then the then the upper midfield, and then it sort of all works its way down, and then. Whoever's left might get the last available drive. But it it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a nerve wracking period for a lot of these drivers because somebody's gonna end up frozen out or not getting the promotion into an F one race that that they deserve. Whatever happens, it's just a fact of mathematics.
3: Well let's assume that Gasly moves. Who's who takes the Torosso slot? And well, does well, that save Hartley because of continuity?
1: Well, we know they like him and they'd like to put him in next year, but under the current rules he's not gonna get enough super licence points. So we have to park him to the side unless they can change the rules or get dispensation or whatever for next year. He's not going to be an option. So then, yeah, can they get a Norris? Might they be persuaded to take a punt on Sarah Van Dorn if he's out of, uh, out of McLaren? I'd certainly seriously look at that. It's I Van Dorn. I think we've not, yeah, seen, we've not seen the best of him at McLaren. And I think if you're Red Bull, you might just think from the perspective of, we know how good he is. They'll have measured him against a lot of their drivers on the way up. They might think, well, we need a driver. He, he's the guy we can uh, we can plug in.
3: So is that the assumption that you've got an Alonso Norris line up at McLaren and Van Dorn then Pot- goes to potentially, Toro also? Potentially,
1: potentially. Um, I think Van Dorn's not absolutely nailed on, but all of these drivers are, uh, are infected and impacted. and It's 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 amazing how one driver can create yeah, yeah, that yeah. Uh, amount but, of change. Well, it's really volatile, cause it's still over, it's, and still the deal's signed and sealed and delivered and it's all there. You don't know what, what can happen, which is why... Drivers have to be careful about just hanging on endlessly. and In fact, Red Bull have ended up being caught out by this. I think they thought Ricardo was out of options. They probably thought we're in a strong position. Whatever we've offered him, he's going to accept. And then suddenly he's gone, bang, this is what I'm doing. And they've gone, ah, okay, we're going to have to have a bit of a think now.
2: Well, I really look forward to finishing this podcast, walking out back to my desk, uh, loading up my laptop and seeing that Stroll has bought Williams, uh sorry, Stroller's bought Force India and Perez has gone to Haas and Ocon's gone to Williams and Russell's not making a step and is gonna go racing super formula and all of this stuff that is so brilliantly woven into this phenomenal phenomenal web that follows the follows behind Ricardo in this move.
3: I've it will be Riken into Red Bull. That's what you'll find at your desk when you get out of there. Riken into Red Bull, collect Ferrari.
2: If if that happens, then Red Bull lose the cover feature we're working on in about for, for a few weeks' time. Yeah,
1: it does change change matters a bit. But yeah, there'll be lots of people reeling from this, and it, and it will it will change things. I suspect first in the queue to sort things out will be Red Bull. They'll want to announce who they're putting in fairly quickly. If it is Gasly, we can expect that to happen reasonably quickly. Uh, other options might take a little bit longer. If they're not sure about Gasly, they might want to look at him for a few more races. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But that Red Bull seat, it's the, it's the prime seat. Very clearly. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, Ricardo has really really changed things very very dramatically and that combined with the uncertainty about ferrari's leadership and the and the question marks about force india's future that we discussed in the last podcast just creates added instability it's uh, there's all sorts of uh, people who could end up in all sorts of places so there's going to be plenty of reason to keep keep following things plenty of reasons to keep reading autosport which you can do on autosport.com all the latest news will be appearing there about formula One, the whole world of motorsport also, our plus subscriber area, where we'll have in-depth features all about all manner of topics from our star writers. Check out Motorsport Magazine out every Thursday. The current issue on the shelves is the Hungarian Grand Prix Report issue. And then next week, we'll have all sorts of in-depth coverage of, of the Ricardo to Runo move, what that means. Can they give him a car to fight for the championship down the line? And please also check out sister titles, F1 Racing, the monthly magazine, and motorsport.com. And if you like this podcast, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you uh, download it from. Ideally, a positive one, but uh, you can give us a you can give us a negative one if you like, or even a in between one if there's a few things you'd uh, you'd like improved. And also, please uh, share on social media. So uh, tell your friends about us. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. <laughs>